And so everyone has a little piece that they have to play, some bigger than others. And do they know that? Do they know how they fit into yes. it? And do they know why we need them to fit into it? And I think that's the most important part is the why, is if people understand why, they're more likely to do it. And it's all part of that bigger system. And it's funny, you have the procedural systems and then you have the people part of it. And if the people aren't part of it, you've kind of missed it. Welcome to My Health and Safety, the podcast designed to bridge the gap between your personal and workplace wellness. I'm Tamara Misevich-Healy, a passionate health and safety professional who strives to help create a happier and healthier world. Workplace health and safety is simply a continuation of our personal health and safety, but we often feel powerless at work. You know where we currently spend over a third of our life? Although it may feel hopeless to integrate the two, I'm here to challenge that it's very much within reach and is absolutely necessary for our long-term well-being. Now, let's learn how to take things from powerless to powerful. Welcome back to the My Health and Safety podcast. I'm really excited about this episode because today's guest will be my first guest who is also a workplace health and safety professional. So you bet we're going to nerd out a little today. Before I formally introduce our guest, I wanted to tell you why I chose to have this conversation with him. I wanted to tell you why I chose him. Mark has this well-rounded background. He has a bachelor's of science in chemistry with a minor in occupational safety and health. He has a master's of business and a PhD in industrial and organizational psychology. He's a certified safety professional, green belt and six sigma, and even has an emergency medical technician certification. He's got amazing experience with large high hazard companies, as well as owning his own safety consulting firm, TSD Amalgamated. And he is also has a podcast called Leading and Learning Through Safety. Besides all of that, Mark has been so incredibly kind since we've connected on LinkedIn, a blast to share professional stories with, and has a really great radio voice. <laughs> Today's episode is going to be all about systems and system thinking in workplace health and safety. So my warm welcome to Dr. Mark French. Oh, thank you so much. Such a kind introduction. Uh, such an honor to be here. Uh, uh, I'm so excited for so this. So good. Enjoy it. Awesome. Well, Mark, why don't we start with you just giving us a little background on your professional career journey and what you're doing today. Sure. I'd, I'd love to. So it's funny. Like, like you said, I started off in chemistry and I never expected that safety would be my, my world. And it was near the end of my college career that the, the chemical market was kind of drying up. They didn't need a lot of entry level people. And my advisor said, well, there's this occupational safety and health department. Why don't you go get a minor in that? And you can tout yourself as a safe chemist. And maybe that'll help boost your, how you can market yourself in the world. And I was like, okay. And I went down there and I really loved it. It was, it was so much fun doing it. And then when I 
was out of college. I actually was unemployed for about six months. The market was just, there was nothing. And I couldn't get a job at McDonald's because I was too overqualified. I couldn't get a job anywhere else because I had zero experience. And luckily, a friend of a friend said, hey, we have this position and it's a clerk at the steel plant and you help the quality manager, the safety manager and the lab manager. You get to all this experience. And so I jumped into that and got to experience all three sides of like a quality system, a safety system and a, and a lab system. And at that point in my life, I said, you know, wherever I find my first real job in any of these three areas, that's where I'm going. I'm done trying to decide I'm just going to do it. And then someone called me from an automotive group and said, hey, we need a night shift safety person. Would you be willing to relocate salaried position? Um, and I was like, yep, first real job done. And so safety was then my career. And I look back at that and I am so happy that I had a first like really awesome safety mentor at that location because she really helped me see how fun safety could be. And I think it really fit me better with what I enjoy doing because laboratory stuff I think would get monotonous for me. I found that I really liked the variety. And so from there went into automotive started up a group and then after that automotive had some really tough times and so i went to the food industry thinking you know people don't buy a car but they will eat so that was felt like stable for me and then moved into the chemical industry after that when the food industry just you know i wanted something a little different i wanted to grow a little bit try something completely different went into e-commerce after that and then now i'm at an energy conservation uh, company that's actually owned by a very large French company and really excited to be here because I love a small company. I love the idea of not being cornered into one job. And so now I'm actually the chief human resources officer started off as in safety and then moved up to kind of like more of what I would call a people officer where it's now I'm looking at not just their physical safety, but now like, how are your benefits? How's your mental health? How's your, how are we treating you as an organization along with the whole physical OSHA part of it? So it's really cool and such an exciting journey to be through human resources and safety and all these organizations. It, it feels like I still don't know what I want to do with my life because I keep jumping around, but it really just came down to the fact that right opportunity, right time, and a lot of fun opportunities to jump into. And then I was at one organization, a very large organization, and it was right when I was finishing my PhD. And there was something I, I wanted to go out and do talking. I wanted to go to the Kentucky Safety Conference, Tennessee Safety Conference and talk. And I went to my supervisor and said, now, should I sign up? Like, I work for you. Do you want me to put the name of this company as who I work for? And they went to legal at this very, very large, well-known company. And they said, no, we don't want you to represent us. We, we don't want you don't put your, our name on anything you're doing. And so that's when I started my own company. And really, my own company, TSD Amalgamated, was born from the fact that they didn't want me to be a representative of them, even though like they hired me for all these qualifications. And so I started my own company basically so I could go places and say, well, here's what I do and who I am. And then I kind of turned it into where I can do a little consulting on the side and really more focused on the IO psychology side of how do we care for our people? Not just physically, but how do you care for the total person? Because that's huge. It's really becoming more about the total human being than it is just physical safety. So, yeah, 
long story but <laughs> short story at the same time yeah <laughs> i love all of that so it like i just have to laugh about the whole thing when you said you finished your degree and it took you a while to get a job um that was the same with me so i was kind of during that economic crash um right after my bachelor's and i was thinking about going into the workforce and i wasn't getting any job right away. So I was like, you know what, let me just keep continuing my education now, went back for my master's. But then after my master's, it was the same thing. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll just work at Starbucks for a little bit. Um, loved the cafe scene, being social. And they wouldn't hire me <laughs> because yeah. they said I was overqualified. And I'm like, what? Like, I'm, but you know, I need a job. And I just think it's yeah. a day how there's so many jobs, but how that does change, you know, from no jobs to so many jobs. And then I actually had to move to Kentucky for my first job in industrial hygiene. I had to say, you know what, I'll just go wherever to get started. And that's kind of what, you know, sometimes you have to do. You have to take whatever you get. And then it kind of it directs your entire professional careers, you know, like it kind of oh, led yeah. the way of um, where you kind of got started in your first experience with it all. But so I could really relate to that. So that had me cracking up. But I also oh, love yeah. the things you said about like total human and um, how, you know, you still feel like you're finding your place in this profession, because I think that's what's so cool about health and safety. Um, that's what I tell everyone is like, it is so broad. There is so much to consider. Um, we're constantly learning new information. We're constantly improving. So like, it's a really cool field in that we're always challenged, right? And there's always opportunity for improvement and opportunity to grow and learn and try new things and um, get better. So uh, really, you know, cool that you feel that way as well. And then I love that you've worked your way up this hierarchy. And now, you know, you're in this chief um, human resource officer position. And do you still oversee health and safety in that position? I do. So safety okay. actually, so HR and safety fall under this position. Okay. And I was lucky enough to to hire someone who I'd worked with before, a friend of mine who nice. has done some phenomenal work to help me because there was no way I could do it all. So <laughs> it, it's really sure. neat to, to kind of reassemble a team that uh, and create a team that, that you know is going to perform yeah. and really do some really neat things. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the other I love creating. thing. Yeah. Right. And there is a lot of creativity to what we do. I also get that often. People are like, you know, I'd see you in more of a creative artsy job, <laughs> not health and safety, industrial hygiene. And I'm like, you know, people say that to me actually often, but um, science could be really creative, right? We have to make observations, come up with theories, you know, test them. Like it is really creative. And then with our solutions, our controls, like you have to get created and pull from experience, past experiences and knowledge. So it oh, is yeah. really creative. It is. And I think that's what drew me to chemistry is that mm. I guess early in my life, even then I was kind of drawn toward chemistry because you think of the the old time alchemist and you think about the mad scientist. And that's what drew me to it yeah. as a child was like, I want to do, I just want to mix things together in a lab and just see what happens. Yeah. And just, and actually my, I remember I was probably, I was young. I was in elementary school. My kid, my parents thought, you know, he's interested in science. They bought me one of these 1980s because it was 1980s science kits and they had some pretty like back then, they didn't really regulate what was in these science kits for kids. I killed my entire mom's flower garden because oh, I'd mixed no. a bunch of stuff together and then just dumped it. And the next thing you know, like it just killed a whole like strip of stuff. And I was like, 
That's really cool. <laughs> now, my mom didn't think it was really yeah. cool. I thought it was really cool. And that led me down that whole creative, that, that idea of the like, I really want to get into a lab and like create yeah. new stuff. Right. And then find out you're really just doing like analysis. You're trying to figure out like, oh, how much percent's that? That's not fun. Yeah. That's not creative. That's not, you know, getting exposure <laughs> and finding a superpower, right? <laughs> I, I know that's, that's what I was really hoping for, some yeah. sort of superpower. Right, some superpower out of it. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, great introduction. I'm so glad to have you here. Um, I guess we'll transition into systems. So right. let's just start with what is a system? Because I think system is just one of those words that's really vague. And I think we use it for a lot. So I guess let's try to just put a definition around it. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of really like great safety systems. Like you can sign up for ISO, you can do RC, you can do even VPP as a system. Yeah. But what it, ultimately it means is that you have a process that is a fixed process that you can, you can measure it and you can improve it. And that's what a system is, is, is there something I can rely on to go back and do that whole like lean cycle that I plan it, I do it, I use data to see how it's going, and then I improve it. Mm -hmm. And if you have anything like that, you have a system. And maybe it's, maybe you start off with just that incident reporting system. We have a, a way that we report things that happen. And then that can turn into a training system. And then once you start having these little tiny micro systems, that's when you realize that they all should talk to each other. Yeah. And there should be that other larger system. So I've always, and that's again, goes back to that creativity. I've always mm -hmm. enjoyed the idea of kind of the, the blank slate or the blank canvas. And you're like, okay, let's, let's build this today. Mm -hmm. Let's look at it and go, what works for this organization? A lot of times I've seen where companies love to have that ISO stamp on their, their web page. And not that those are bad systems. Those are really good systems if you use them. Mm -hmm. And a lot of companies do it and just kind of force it down their throats mm -hmm. just so they can have the, the, hey, the stamp on there rather than really embracing what it's supposed to do. And it's supposed to create these micro systems that then are talking to each other through your larger HSE system. Mm. And it's all about the idea of how do you come in, see it, trace it? Like, is there a, is there a process? I'm a very, from that standpoint, I'm very type A logical. And I love to be able to follow the logic of something like, okay, well, if I do this, it's going to lead to B to C. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's how I've built systems is that, okay, mm -hmm. it starts with one. So someone is hurt. What do they do? Do they know where to go? Do they know who to talk to? Well, if not, fix it. Now that they've reported it, where does that supervisor take that report? Do they know? Is there a process? Yes or no? Build it. <laughs> and you keep doing that until you have this full circle of like the person is now taken care of and the reporting is closed and the claim is finished. Start to finish. And there, there's your system and I can measure it. I can test it. And I can also see if it, if people use it yeah, and understand how to use it. And that's really the key of any safety system is it's great when it looks on paper, you can open up your book and look at it and go, Ooh, that's beautiful. It looks great mm -hmm. on paper. You go out and talk to someone. They're like, we have that. <laughs> you mean there's a form for that? <laughs> yeah. No, your system isn't working as well. The, yeah. the measurement, your first measurement isn't working. <laughs> yes, right? So, and I've been there. Yeah. 
I've created some amazing systems on paper. And then I've went out and asked people like, Hey, have you, have you tried this out? And they're like, what are you talking about, Mark? And I'm like, Oh, I've spent too much time in the office. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I love that because a huge part of building a system is seeing how it really works in reality. Right. And you can't just kind of build something and expect that. Okay. That's perfect. You have to trial it and then tweak it for reality oh, yeah. and for, you know, the specific situation, the people using it. Um, so yeah, so you can build it and it looks beautiful and in theory it's perfect. And, but then, right. We have to see how it plays out and why things might be getting hung up the way they are and learn oh, yeah. and adapt and tweak. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it goes back to the, the old saying that if, even if you're facing the right way on a track, if you're not moving, you're still going to get run over. Mm. And so you've got to keep moving and going the right direction. Mm -hmm. If not, the, you still are not accomplishing anything. And I learned a lot of that from like looking at quality systems, like layered process mm -hmm. audits and how a quality system works and just applying kind of the same principles to safety. Yeah. yeah. It, it's really the same thing. We're looking at yes. a procedure and then we're seeing if we're following the procedure mm -hmm. and if not, why? Yeah. Yeah. Or if we were following the procedure and something bad still happened, we got to fix the procedure. And it's, I like binary logic. I like it where I can break it down to where it's very yes or no for me. Uh, just the way I've always, I guess, the way my mind works. And so I enjoy hearing when I can go, okay, is it or is it not? Okay, let's move on now. Yeah. Well, I think that's like a very human thing that we we always we right we try to simplify um, everything so we could process it and retain it easier. Um, but I loved what you said there about quality too. So I've never worked directly in quality, but I always work closely with quality. And we have these conversations. And now I have like this quote. I always love to say that quality is simply the health and safety of the product. That's really good. Right? I love well, that. I was like, wow, as they're talking about it, I'm like, these are the same things like I consider, you know, for the humans, for the workers. And it's like quality is simply the health and safety of the product. So a lot of these systems at their root are still the same, you know, and it yeah. is so like um, applicable to each other. And we could definitely learn from each other, too, because there is that like same consideration. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. And then what I also love that you touched on was um, that these systems and I really want to like stress is that they're like interconnected to multiple yes. parts. So I think that um, is important to stress because I think sometimes people just think here's a system and it's linear and just like tangible here it is and i think of like some of our health and safety um programs that we put in place so let's say hazard communication um maybe you're putting that whole program in place in the workplace and they're like okay as long as i have the list of my chemicals and the sds's that's it right we're compliant we're good to go we've we, we're good like we check the boxes but having a system around that is different than just having the compliance of it do people yes. realize when they buy something new, they need to like run that by you and collect the SDS sheet? You know, it, there's that interconnectedness of all the pieces. Is that in place? Is that system in place? Yeah. Um, and a system also means action. Is there yeah, action happening? Yes. Is there? So if just 
does your team know that if they bring in a new chemical, they should provide? And is there an approval process? Mm-hmm. Is there a, an auditing process to know how much you have and that mm-hmm. you're not exceeding the limits yes. that you've set for certain things? So there's a system shouldn't be stagnant. It should mm-hmm. be moving and dynamic and always, always trying to help really achieve your goals of whatever yeah. it is you've set for your yep. safety program. Yep. And the system might change, right? And that's kind of that that constant oh, yeah. dynamic movement of it. Because maybe this worked now, but things are changing, right? Maybe the company got way bigger, maybe whatever. So it has to <laughs> <COVID>. keep movement. <laughs> so it keeps adapting. Yeah. I mean, we saw that in COVID. Yeah. I mean, we had a workforce that was that completely had to change. Mm-hmm. Uh, some workplaces went completely virtual. Well, that there's a completely different safety dynamic that we had to create. And then those that were still operating businesses, wow, separating people that were like, I remember looking into a lunchroom and they were like, you could sit here and then it was a blank, blank chair set here. Wow. What a difference that made to everything we did as a safety professional. So yeah, our systems have to sometimes immediately change. Drastically change. (laughs) That's right. But I think it's having that system that keeps the sustainability. Oh, yes. You know, and having constantly revisiting, constantly adapting keeps it sustainable. Yes. And your system is more than a person. It's really it's a company system. It should be something that outlives any single safety person. Or if a new safety person comes in, they can pick it up, look at it and go, okay, well, here's how I should measure it. Here's where I need to change. Here's what I need to keep doing better. And I know a couple of times where I've come in to do safety turnarounds or even start up a company, you almost have to start off by letting the safety person be the mascot for safety. They, okay. the program is theirs and they have to be the, the, the cheerleader, the rally person, the person like, Hey, Mark French is going to be upset if you don't do it this way, or we need to make sure we do that. Or Mark and safety is going to not be happy about it. But then the goal of the system is that it's no longer Mark French. It's, mm-hmm. you know, our safety system. This company's safety system requires us to do this. And I think that's where you see that evolution of when you really have, that's when it starts to become theirs, not yours. And that's where they take ownership. And that's when it's really neat. And there's even some very well-established companies I've come to. And you start asking questions to people during audits or, or whatever you're doing. And if they're talking more about like that safety person is going to make me do it rather than Mm -hmm. I do it because it's a company policy, that really shows you about maturity of that safety program, because it should be about all of us and what we're doing and not just a single person or a single department requires me to do it. And that's yes. the difference between a real sustainable system and one that's still trying to get its own legs and go somewhere. Yes. Yes. I love all of that, Mark. Um, absolutely. Even when I do consulting for companies, um, they'll ask me, you know, can you create this policy? Can you help us put this program in place to become compliant? And what I always should do, try to do like a whole, the whole back bone of my company is about like empowerment because I could come in and yes, I could get all of that in place. But what happens when I leave? Did you understand what I did? 
Did you listen to what you need to do ongoingly? Are you going to put that into place? Because otherwise, that's just going to crumble. It's not going to be sustainable and you're not going to be in compliant, which was the original thing. So I always try to like educate, break down a way that they could start like including it into the organization and building this system that is way bigger than me so that when I'm done, you know, that continues to be a part of their company because too often um, they do. They'll just buy maybe a plug and chug policy <laughs> off the yep. internet and then they're like, oh, I have something. And they may not have even have read it ever, you know? So it's like, it yeah. takes so much more. You have to. And I know sometimes it could be difficult and it takes time, um, but you have to integrate these things right into the organization because that's it. I've also seen, you know, companies panic when their health and safety professional leaves because they did everything. They knew everything. And now there's nothing and they, and they have that panic. Um, it should never be that. You know, it should never be safety of your whole workplace. It shouldn't be one person because one person can't do it all. One person can't be there. One person, you know, sometimes I have a hard enough time keeping myself safe. You know, like I can't keep every single person safe. Um, you know, we try to put these systems, controls in place, but to really be successful, it has to be interconnected. It has to be engaging. And you, there's still that hierarchy, you know, like you said, we'd still be like the cheerleader, the educator, oh, yeah. the coordinator, the expert that like can give the information and knowledge, but we can't play it all out ourselves. Yeah. Early in my career, that was probably what drove me. I mean, honestly, gave me the most anxiety about my career is I thought it was all on my shoulders. Yeah. I thought everything was me. If someone got hurt, it was my fault. If if anything was wrong, it was me. If we didn't audit and the audit didn't go well, it was all because of me. Yeah. And it was a little bit of corporate environment, but it was also me not understanding what the role of the safety person was. And it's really a partnership. And later in my career, I know it frustrates some people when I do this, but if I'm with a supervisor and they're just kind of throwing problems to me and saying, well, this is broken and safety needs to fix it. And I'm like, no, what are we going to do to fix it? You're going to meet me halfway or we're going to do lockstep together to do it. But if you're just expecting me to do it, I, I can go do something else. There's mm -hmm. there's supervisors in this in this in this company that want to be a partner with me, I'll go help them. You can figure that out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because it's not just me. It's, yeah. it's us. Yes. And we have to be together. And if we're mm -hmm. not, it's never going to work. The moment I walk away, like you said, mm -hmm. the moment I walk away, you're going to let it go back to exactly the same way. And we've wasted each other's time. Yeah. And it's yeah. just like anything else with, and if you think about the same idea of when they're running production of any form, whatever that production is, it's the same idea that it it's not just one person running production. It's a team safety quality. Yeah. All that's the yeah. same. It, yeah. It's not, you can't believe it's there's no way I would love to think that by me walking into an organization, it becomes safe. That yeah. is a superpower. I would love to have, but <laughs> it's not one that I have. You got from your chemicals. That's my superpower. Yeah. <laughs> when I was playing as a kid, yeah. I can walk into any place and it instantly becomes safe. That's People it. just care more. And no, that's not the way that works. It, it, it takes that total team. Like they have, to, you have to hear it from everyone. It, it, it's the same thing. Like 
to me, it reminds me of when, as a kid, you would go to mom, mom would say no, and you'd go to dad and kind of play it off like, well, maybe I can get a different answer. But if they were ever like, you realize that they were together on most decisions, you quit doing it. You're like, yeah, that's not going to work. Same thing with safety. If, if they realize the organization is not going to budge on mm-hmm. critical safety issues, or they're going to follow the process regardless, they quit trying to push the boundary and they just go, hey, this is all, this is our yes. system now. Or not that, well, you know, that supervisor will let me get away with it, but that one won't. Oh, and here comes the safety people in their green vests. All right, everybody act everybody act right. Here comes yep. safety. Yeah. Yep. Wow. And I love that you mentioned that even like the early anxiety of the position, because I think that's great for health and safety, newer health and safety professionals to hear. And I think it's something every health and safety professional can even relate to. I know I sure can, um, you know, that. You are. And I feel like oftentimes we can even be stuck in the middle, you know, because if you are a health and safety professional, you're not necessarily C-suite decision maker position. Um, so you're trying to keep employees safe, but you also don't have that power. Um, so you're wedged. And I remember getting a lot of anxiety for that because I'm like, you know, we really need to improve this, but the company didn't want to. And you know, then I was stressed because I'm like, I feel morally, legally responsible for these people. You know, I care about them. They're like my work family now, um, but I didn't have the power. So it felt, yeah, really anxiety producing. Um, so I think that's something that a lot of people could experience, you know, and that is why having leadership on board and understanding and uh, having the conversations with them um, as well as supervisors, you know, um, it shouldn't just be the health and safety person going around making sure, um, you know, the guards are in place or whatnot. The supervisor, you're there. Like you need to make sure they are following that. And maybe they're not. You need to show them that that is the priority. And that is how we do things here, you know, and retrain if you need to retrain or explain further, because maybe, you know, they don't understand why it's so critical. So take the time to have those conversations and just say, listen, we do this because we care about you. You have to do it, yeah. you know, because safety professional, we're not going to be there all the time for every employee watching them. But supervisors, they're like, you know, there are army who is there on the floor with these people a lot more and can catch these things and correct these things and really be leaders of safety. Yeah. And from an organizational standpoint, even a system standpoint, when you talk about HR policy, and this is something I explored early on and even now is there's a difference between a very high performer and then someone who will be a good leader. And it all begins with caring about your people. Like, is this someone who is, can, can understand the process enough to keep it going well and improve it. But are they also going to be that person that can really rally their team together to achieve goals? And sometimes those goals change some I completely understand. There's times where we have to do a sprint to hit our production numbers. There's times where we have to put a little bit more emphasis into safety or quality, depending on you shift those. I mean, not that your your Mm -hmm. core values ever change, but your priorities can kind of shift back and forth a little bit as you need to. And that's where a good leader can see Mm -hmm. that and they can really rally the team behind their goal and go out there to achieve it in a way that is really highly beneficial to the entire organization and making those decisions of who is going to lead your team. I think some organizations don't spend enough time thinking about 
is this the right person to lead the total team, the total, the total system? Can they run a full system or are they just really good at one thing? And if we still want to promote them, what are we doing to help them understand? And that's something I'm working on now is like a, a new leader training program that's beyond safety. It starts with the core of like, do you care about people and safety? But it expands to communication styles, conflict resolution styles, problem solving for people and items like that. And I'm working on developing it. And I hope to have some product at some point that I can try out. But it's really about this person that it that was a really strong performer, has some really good core values. And now they're going to take over a system of their own of these this small group of people. And how do we how do we as a company help them do that rather than just throwing them out there and hoping they figure it out? And yes. a lot of companies do that, unfortunately. They don't really help that person become that leader. They don't help teach them those systems or even teach them the core values of the company. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sometimes core values seem like just, you know, this fluff statement that they put out there, but it's the action that speaks louder. So are your actions oh, yeah. really in alignment with those words? Um, you know, my example is, you know, I could say I'm this avid runner, but if I never run, am I really an avid runner, <laughs> you know, or am I just wishing I was that, you know? <laughs> I've never seen that person with tennis shoes on. What yeah, are they right? running in? My husband, you don't run. You don't run. I am an avid runner. No. I love it. I am. I've been reading about it for weeks. Yeah. Did you not see the new sneakers I bought? I <laughs> right. There has to be action. There has to be action. There does. <laughs> so that is exactly <laughs> it with these values that we talk about. Um, you know, I can't tell you how many organizations I walk into. And, you know, I guess it's because, you know, I'm health and safety. So when I walk in to consult or whatever, almost immediately, the first thing they always tell me is safety is first here. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> the fact that like you're telling me that immediately is like, okay, all right, awesome. You know, and then um, you start digging in and they'll be like, yeah, this control worked really good in this test we did five years ago. And I'll be like, great. So like, did you implement it? No, we never like really got to implementing it. I'm like, but oh. you tried it. It had great results, but you didn't implement it. No, we, we were still considering it. And it's like, but do you see that now? And I, I have straight up said, okay, you know, well, if safety is first and you have a, you know, positive result there, then we need our actions to be in alignment with that. Because right now, if you're telling your workers safety's first, but your actions aren't in alignment with that, it's actually damaging the culture. It's worse than not saying that at all because, you know, it, it's not in alignment. So that actually harms the, and they won't necessarily believe other things you say. So it's really important if we do make a statement and we do say this is a value and this is important that we truly do live by that and put in the work. Um, otherwise it's better to not even say it at all. Oh yeah. I'll, I'll, it's, it's interesting to me and it's almost it's not really funny, but it's it's ironic, I guess. That's probably the word is how many organizations believe like that they can they can fool their people. And yeah. our team are they're adults. They see mm -hmm. through it as fast as anyone will see through it. And if we're not yeah. actually doing it, they see it. 
and they yeah. will call it out and they will mm-hmm. tell you and then they will ultimately become apathetic to it which is yeah. the toughest i'd rather them be yeah. angry because at least yeah. you can take that energy and try to move it somewhere the mm-hmm. hardest thing i've ever had to come across is apathy because once they've given up on a company it's really hard to build any momentum into rebuilding that relationship and that's that is tough for sure I can take passion and I can move it and maybe redirect it. But once it's all gone and it's just giving up, oh, that's a tough place to be. Very, very tough place to be. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Right. They say that even in relationships, personal relationships. So any relationships, once again, it kind of flows over in relationships in a broader sense. You know, you don't want to get to that point. Yeah. Once you've given up, you've given up. Yeah. 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 And you don't want your people there. You want your people excited, you know, passionate, contributing to the workplace, contributing to their um, health and safety. So I guess like back with these systems, who do you think in terms of health and safety, who do you think is important to have in the systems that we put in place? Do you think it, it should include every single worker in some degree? Yes. Um, just like any organization, it's it's everyone. And you're not going to get everyone to commit 100%. You think about your bell curve. You've got those who will be really fired up. You've got your core middle that are going to kind of follow the way it's going. You have those that are probably never going to really get behind it. They're going to do it because it's compliance and it's driven. But it's important that you have full layers and you treat each layer different. So your your plant manager, your CEO is going to have a different role in that system than a frontline supervisor or maybe a manager to a team member who's performing the work. They're all going to have a different role. And and part of your system is to define what that person should do. Like what, what are some of the key rights and responsibilities? And it doesn't have to be a long, it can be three bullet points each of here's what I need you to do. Your CEO just has to be the one or your plant manager. Just They make the commitment. They're going to back you up. They're going to make sure that if it meets the, the systems, what we're setting the system, they're going to one of the best questions I've ever heard from a plant manager is they'll look and they'll go, what does the policy say? What does the system say? And whatever it is, they go, OK, well, that's that's always worked. And so we're going to follow it. So if it's safety for well, production may get slowed down. It doesn't matter. This is what the policy says. We're going to follow it. We're going to protect our team because that's what we've committed to do. We're not budging Um, unless there is some sort of weird circumstance where we need a new. Maybe it's a separate policy or a separate procedure for this unknown that we've just come across. But 95% of the time, if you just read the procedure, it's going to take you the right direction. And then you have your frontline supervisors who really – we. a lot of times they they feel like we toss a lot of information at them and they're overloaded. There's no doubt that a frontline supervisor is probably the most overworked, underappreciated person in any location because they're doing it all. I mean, they're running payroll. They're running. They're keeping up with their costs. They're keeping up with their own inventory. They're trying to run safety. They're making sure they have high quality and hitting their production numbers. They're doing it all. And what they should understand is that you don't have to know it all. If you're call a two minute timeout and ask for a little help. You've got a resource. And that's really where safety as a service comes in is that we we're a resource. If you're 
confused, if you're like, this just doesn't feel right, it's outside the normal, just like in quality, if there's a deviation, like, okay, something weird is going on, you stop and you ask for help. Same thing in safety. If we're outside the normal, we stop and we ask for help and we get Absolutely. some extra people coming. Don't don't yeah. handle the burden on your own. You sh This is not just your burden. It's all of ours. And that's a yeah. system is that you mm -hmm. know where to go when you need help. Who, who mm -hmm. else can pull into this? And then yeah. your team members have a certain level of commitment, but they also have a responsibility to this is wrong. Raise my hand and go, hey, this doesn't seem right. Can someone just come check this out for me because it's different or it's not what I'm used yes. to. Mm -hmm. And so all those pieces of that people puzzle have to come together for it mm -hmm. to work. And there's also roles of your your finance department. They have even though they're far apart from safety, they have a they have a piece in that puzzle of helping make sure that if there's an initiative, they help you with that planning, because certainly I am not the best financial forecaster. I am not someone who knows when the budget numbers need to come in, but I do know that I may need a capital expense at some point for this. And I know generally how much it might cost. I'm going to go to my accounting team and go, I think I have a problem and I need to plan and I need your help. When can we do this or how can we work this out? Because I want to, we got to protect our team. And how do we do it? So they have a role. And so everyone has a little piece that they have to play, some bigger than others. And do they know that? Do they know how they fit into yes. it? And do they know why we need them to fit into it? And I think that's the most important part is the why, is if people understand why, they're more likely to do it. And it's all part of that bigger system. And it's funny, you have the procedural systems and then you have the people part of it. And if the people aren't, part of it, you've kind of missed it. Oh, yeah. Mark, you did a great job explaining that. I absolutely agree, um, you know, with all these different levels and that every single person plays a role, but obviously they are different. And if you don't have that defined, it's never going to work because your people don't even know their role. They don't even know the expectations. And then you're yelling at them, but you didn't <laughs> yeah. even give them the true okay this is what we expect of you this is what you're going to be held accountable for you know this is what we expect of you this is what we expect of you but we're all working together don't ever feel you know alone or threatened because we're a team yes you know we have different roles but we need to lean on each other and support each other and have grace with each other because even as a health and safety professional uh, I used to train our interns when I worked at um, the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. And one thing I always told them was like, don't ever think you know it all and don't ever feel ashamed that you don't. Yes. Because sometimes they would not else ask for our help because they would feel like they should know that. And I'm like, I still to this day will call the manufacturers and be like, hey, I'm working with this chemical. What glove would be the best to yes. use? Or I have this machine and I'm not really sure like the best way to guard it. I still constantly, because it is so diverse and unique and I'm not an expert in everything. Um, so we have to definitely like lower that little bit of an ego. And I want to personally tell people like I support you that if you feel like, you know, you don't know everything, reach out to manufacturers, reach out to organizations that help and just know that it is a team effort and we all have different roles and we could, you know, rely on each other for different help working with engineering department and facilities for so many things. 
Um, it is a team effort. Oh, I love it. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's what I yeah. love about our profession is yeah. that there's one minute I'm talking to a, a, a plant manager or a CEO that I'm wandering down to the finance department and then I'm over with engineers talking to them about what they're designing and how they're doing it. And then I'm out there amongst uh, the team members talking about what they're doing today and how they're working and what's going on and does that fit. And it's just it's so neat to be one of those people who travels across pretty much every layer of the organization mm. to be able to even function in our position. There's not many positions that get that opportunity to to one minute you're in the the boardroom, the next minute you're you're geared up in PPE and you're actually walking around out there doing it. And that's yeah. that's really neat. And <laughs> it's so much <laughs> And I found that sometimes people rely on the safety department. Then once they see that, they'll come and talk to the safety department about like, hey, how do you see these two things tying together? I mean, are you here? You're, I'm seeing this, but also I'm hearing this coming from the from the office. What are you seeing? Because you're kind of bridging it. And we can become mm -hmm. that middle person kind of helping the, the rest of the organization see it which is yeah. also kind of fun. I always enjoyed those stop into my office and ask me some random question about <laughs> just the company and the organization, because we have that cross-sectional view of it. Mm -hmm. It's always a good thing when people are coming to your office. That's oh, yeah. what I always say, right? When you have people coming in, asking you questions, like that just like makes me so happy because they feel <laughs> safe to ask these things. Right. And they're engaging. They're yeah. thinking about it. And like, I always put in recognition um, type of programs so that you can recognize these people who maybe they even come to you with a concern that, you know, wasn't a concern. But the fact that they took the time to follow through because they thought it could be is amazing, yeah. you know, and we should always reward that because that's what we want from our employees. We want them dedicated to our success and improvement. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I've even really I've cool. even been known to bribe people to come to my office. Like I used to keep <laughs> I used to keep a little table next to my desk and put a candy bowl, and I would buy yes. I would buy the good stuff too. I'd go and buy like the little miniature candy bars. It wasn't yeah. just like the the hard candy; it was like good chocolate. I'd put in there, and it, and they knew though that there was a price to pay. If you came in there and I was there, I was going to ask you a question like, "Hey, how you doing today? How's your how are things? How's safety going? Need anything from me?" Um, so it was it was always neat when people would pop in and be like. Oh, well, yep. Now you got to have a conversation with me because you've come in my office. <laughs> that is hilarious because I literally had a candy jar in there too <laughs> to help support these. I love it. That is so funny. It, it, like, it, I feel like it worked for everybody. No matter who was coming into that office area, they knew that my yeah. I had the the better candy, and they would stop. Even security, as they were doing their rounds, they'd be yeah. they would pop in and be like, well, "Hey, how you doing? How's security? See anything weird out there today?" Now, I mean, just anything <laughs> to know. just have a conversation, because if you start yep. that having that just that talk, it leads to understanding of what's happening. Yeah. But yeah, yep, it, for sure. I love the, the candy bowl is like the, the tried and true safety person, uh, the, the tool of the trade. <laughs> that is so funny. Cracks me up. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you something that, you know, is pretty straightforward for us. But what why is it critical to have these systems in place in relation to health and safety? Why is it so important to have systems and have everybody involved in those systems? There, there's a few good reasons. I think one is that so it's sustainable. I mean, that's the first part is that you have a dedicated that no matter who would come in 
and begin any process within any part of the company, they know what they should be doing, or at least their their goal. Like here are the the set of items I should be trying to accomplish. And just like a manufacturing cycle, if you think about if I was to give you a bunch of parts and tell you to assemble something and give you no instructions, you might be able to find your way through it, but it would be painful. It would be long and it would be inefficient. Same reason we have a safety system is so that you can go into it and find the best approach, uh, an approach that's already been tested and already been trialed. And you know, this is the established method to keep yourself safe rather than having to guess at what's going to keep someone safe, which is scary. You don't want to, you don't want to gamble with that. It's kind of like all the OSHA regulations. They only really become a law until like, a lot of people have died. We don't want that in the business place. We we don't want to mm-hmm. test it to see who gets hurt and they go, well, that didn't work. We want to use a a method to get them to yes. put everything together. And really, that's that's why you need it is so that part of the whole lean idea is so that you can find problems faster. So if you look at a room and for instance, if you take a look at a shadow board, and I know everybody's seen it, where you see the things hanging out, a wrench or a broom hanging up, and it's labeled so the broom should be here, and it has a shadow of it. If you look at one of those boards, you can see if something is wrong or if something is missing immediately. That's a system. Same thing for safety. We want to be able to walk out, look at something, compare it to what it should look like, and go, is there a problem? There's a problem. Let's go to it, flow to the problem, figure out why. Maybe they found a better way of doing it and they're just skipping it because that is a better way. Well, guess what? We just found something great. Give that person a gift card, rewrite the procedure, have a little applause, publish it and move on because we found a better way. Or sometimes we found that we've done a shortcut because we've just been lucky for a long time. And so we recalibrate. Hey, did you know someone may have been hurt doing that? This is why we have that procedure in place. Uh, and you recalibrate. So I think really the goal is with any safety system is to make all of our lives easier to be able to spot opportunities for where we need to go. Without that system, it's it's anarchy. It's a free for all. <laughs> Everybody's just yeah. doing whatever they want and just getting lucky or they saw someone else get hurt and said, well, I'm not doing that today. Kind of mm-hmm. like the old electrician thing where you got to get shocked a couple of times before you're, you're really an electrician. Um, <laughs> that's not the way we want to operate anymore. We want to it, teach it in a way that we are able to prevent it from happening. And that's what I love about a, a quality system or a safety system. It's the same thing. You look at it, you, you can immediately see where your problem is and you flow to your problem. And that is ultimately why you need a system is so that you can better diagnose where you need Mm. to be. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that explanation of it. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, you're absolutely correct with that though, you know, because if you're kind of just winging things, you don't have a clear vision on the whole and how it's working and where you need to make adjustments or anything. You don't have that like traceability or yeah, process in place. And, and so. there's a lot of uh, smaller manufacturing that I've been to visiting. And you start asking people about, well, how do you know what you do? Well, I've done it for 10 years and I just keep doing it the same way. Well, you're going to retire someday. I know. How do you know? Like, how are you going to teach that to somebody? I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's like, ouch, the organization mm-hmm. is going to lose some value there. And plus, that person has discovered the most efficient, 
and the safest way of doing it. And when they leave, we're just going to bring someone else in and cross our fingers that they don't Mm -hmm. get really hurt doing it. Mm -hmm. Now, that's also why you see kind of that bathtub shape of injuries from age. Like early career people have higher chance of injury than they settle in for a long time. And then as you get near the end, you kind of get a little bit a little bit more loose with what you're doing because you've done it for so long. But that mm-hmm. early injury rate is so high because there's not an established method that maybe they're mm-hmm. coming in and they're having to find the way they're doing it themselves. And mm-hmm. sadly, sometimes you learn through injury. Oh, I, I cut yeah. my finger. I shouldn't do that again. Or in worst case scenario, I lost my finger. Now, I definitely mm-hmm. won't do that again. Um, mm-hmm. And those are the scary moments that we we try to avoid Mm -hmm. by having a system absolutely yeah because really what all of this comes down to is you know saving lives saving health and your well-being you know at the root of it that's what it all truly comes down to you know is that we're trying to keep people healthy and send them home to their families you know at least as good as they came preferably if like we could send them home even better you know, and in order to most effectively do that, having these systems in place where you could see the weaknesses and could see, you know, if adjustments should be made and you're tracking that, that's, you know, that's the power for us to do that better. Yes. You know, and and with that comes all these other side benefits, right? Like less downtime because you, oh, yeah. you consider things preventatively, proactively. So you have less downtime, less money waste. Um you know, and less injuries, which also is, you know, less money oh, yeah. um, for that. So, yeah, a lot of benefits to getting these systems in place and also the just sustainability of it. So the sustainability, the effectiveness of it, lots of great things. So start considering your systems, uh, right? That's you know, right. today, if, if you don't have as many systems in place as you would like, start, you know, thinking through it. And a lot of these systems are even interconnected. Um, that's what's just crazy about systems. You have, you know, multiple just tiers and layers of these systems and, you know, safety and whole is a huge system that has all these subparts. Oh, yeah. So it's worth dedicating the time to kind of assess what that looks like in your organization and how maybe you could set it up better or include more people um, and just start improving upon your system so that they are sustainable and effective. Yeah. And there's a lot of great templates out there. If you're really like scratching your head, like, what do I need? What should it look like? There's some, a simple Google search and and you'll find all kinds of great templates. And of course, make it your own. Your organization is a living, breathing entity that's different from any other. And you got to make it your own. You've got to go and go, you know, that's not going to quite work exactly for me. I'm going to, I'm going to tweak it to make it work for us. And that's the key is a system should work for you. You don't work for the system. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Too many times we think, we think the opposite, like, oh, this audit is, it drives what I have to do. Uh, Yeah. Maybe a little bit, but at the end of the day, if it's, it's got to work for you, it's got to bring value. Yeah. Yeah. So I know like we didn't get to talk too much about you know, my company and what I do, but my specialty is, and I mean, we'll talk about this outside of this is I actually built a whole safety management system and it's called my safety sense. And I built this because when I was working in facilities, um, this is what we needed. 
And when I was trying to find something like this, I couldn't find it out there. And it really is a system, like a whole backbone system that then we build all the unique pieces of the organization onto. And it considers things like what is every person's role and responsibility? It considers these core values that are things like communication, recognition, leadership to really foster that culture. And then it empowers every single employee to play a role in it. So yeah, I love this whole systems thinking. I created one honestly for me. So like I could, you know, implement it in a facility I work at. And then it was just so great that now, you know, we extend that out as an offering to help others implement. And if you do the full program with us, it's actually a two-year partnership. So that was the other thing that like I didn't see was a lot of uh, these systems. It's like, okay, here it is. Good luck. Oh, yeah. Well, I, you know, I realized that that's extremely overwhelming for a lot of organizations. So I'm like, you know what? Here's a system. We have to adapt to make sure it works in your organization. So I'm going to partner with you for two years so I could help you to get it right where it needs to be before I leave. So, yeah, systems is like definitely has become my passion. And that wasn't like what I originally you know, got into with health and safety, but I feel like <laughs> I as you progress in your career, you just start seeing that things like leadership in these systems have a larger, more sustainable impact. So you naturally start transitioning into that. Um, so that's kind of what led me to go that route. It wasn't really my initial plan. I was all <laughs> N95 fit testing oh, yeah. and, you know, indoor air quality testing and and it just progressed in this way because I wanted to keep people as safe as possible. I love it. And these elements were the recurring things. Yeah. And I love your long-term view of it. This is not something that happens overnight. And too many no. times someone will hire a safety person or hire a safety consultant and expect a miracle and like a three-month mm -hmm. miracle. No. People don't yeah. change that quick. Yep. You can't motivate people yeah. and, and expect lasting. I love, I love the idea of the yeah. long-term view and that's the way it should be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we can't just download a PowerPoint on culture change and systems and <laughs> that's all we have to do. <laughs> I mean, because I see so many things that I made them a watch a video. PowerPoint. <laughs> yeah. I watched a video on it and now everything is perfect. Yeah. Best a, video ever. <laughs> Yeah. So no, like we kind of go back to like, it takes that action, right? Lots and lots of action and systems are action. So it's gonna, it's gonna take work. But the cool thing I always say too, is it's a lot of upfront work, but then it's more sustaining and sort of maintaining, you know, you get the bulk of the work done upfront, which is hard. Um, but then it becomes a lot easier and way more effective. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. All right. So what I want to, I guess, we'll start closing up. But I want to ask you if people are listening and they want to begin to make changes in this like systems thinking and systems development, um, specifically in like health and safety of employees, I guess, like, where would you recommend that people kind of get started? What is a good starting point for trying to improve on this. I think the first step, and it depends on where you are in your journey with that organization. And there's always like the three tiered of any, any national or international system. They start with a three tiered approach. You look at legal compliance, you look at injury prevention, 
and then you look at continuous improvement. And so the first step is that if you if you know there's parts of your your process that's not compliant legally, start there and see what it see where it goes, see where it takes you and then look at your injuries and make sure you're preventing those. And then you move on then to look at how do you drive it and make it better. And again, it, it all starts with looking at where do you have the most pain? What is it that you as a safety person is driving you nuts? And then look at where in the organization you could borrow help to do it. And then type up a, a flow chart or a bullet point of how this can happen. And there you go. You've got a first system. Start with what gives you the most heartburn. <laughs> or if there's something or on the flip side, if you want the other easy one, look for something that works fantastic and benchmark it. So there's really two places there that you can choose depending on your style. I'm more of a maximizer. So I love to jump into like, hey, that that's working really well. I'm going to just write down why it works really well. There's your system. Nice. <laughs> so I love yeah. I love looking at what works and taking it and trying to spread it around a little bit and really get people involved. Don't do it in a bubble. And I think this is a great place for safety mm -hmm. committees is you find some people who are passionate about whatever you're talking about, whether it be injury reporting, maybe it's hazard mitigation. Maybe you need a guarding program for your equipment. Find some people who are knowledgeable and passionate about it. Bring them together and go, OK. Let's brainstorm. How do we fix this? What do we need to do? And then start doing it and document your mm -hmm. document your journey, because that's ultimately going to be the beginning of your system is just documenting that journey that you've taken of how you got there, because you're going to look back and you're going to wipe the sweat from your brow and you're going to look back at it a year later and you go, wow, look at what we did. And yeah. that's really that's a really yeah. cool experience, because sometimes we forget to look back and go. We actually did a lot. There's still a lot to do. Yeah. There's always a lot to do. Yeah. But we did something yeah. really cool. And here's how we did it. Here's the and that's what's really neat. I really love doing that kind of thing. And that's the beginning. And when you step back and look at how you did it, there's your system. That is great advice. That's great advice. Um yeah, because I think like you said, even compliance like is kind of where you definitely have to at least start. Yeah. Um because I know sometimes, yeah, they want to completely change, but you do, you have to get the basics in place before you can really start um, those improvement projects. So, and I love that you said to focus on some of the things that are done really well, because I think that's a lot more motivating. I think sometimes if we're like, wow, this area is terrible <laughs> and we could get really overwhelmed, Easy. right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you could panic and just feel like, how am I ever going to do this? So, Kind of, yeah, look at the wins too, right? And learn from that and see why that is doing so well. And um, it's important to to look at those as oh, well. Yeah. So great advice there. I could talk to you forever about this, Mark, but I'm going to move on to the guest questions. So are you ready am, for the powerful guest questions? I am questions? excited. <laughs> I hope I'm ready. We'll see. Okay. All right. <laughs> so related to, uh, to today's discussion, if you had to simplify everything you know professionally and personally into one recommendation or piece of advice, what would it be? I will go to uh, Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And mm -hmm. the one that I love the most is seek to understand before being understood. So always listen, ask good questions, take in as much information about what you're seeing 
and don't make assumptions about why people are doing what they're doing. People are way too complex for assumptions. <laughs> we bring way too yes. much uh, yes. of it, just us into an environment. So yes. always seek to, to understand that other person with whatever you're doing before you try to tell them why you're about to make a ton of changes. <laughs> Great advice. Because communication, I think, is the key to improving anything. Yeah. Anything in life, communication, good communication and listening. Like yep. you said, we never do it alone. We're just one person. That's right. We can't do it alone. Yep. No way. Nope. Nope. Okay. Question two. What are two pieces of content you absolutely recommend to everyone and anyone related to health, safety, wellness in the broadest of sense? This could be mental health, spiritual health, financial health, and on any medium such as podcast, YouTube, book, or movie. Oh, wow. So just two pieces of yeah. content you really So like. the one is a blog, and it's Jordan Barab. He was a former Deputy Assistant Secretary of OSHA, um, and he has a blog mm. called Confined Space fantastic blog mm. um he does a weekly mm. uh it's called the weekly toll and he basically searches the news for every fatality and occupational fatality and he publishes wow. it weekly but he also writes some amazing blogs about what he's seeing now in osha and kind of his experience of like what does that really mean in the politics and he goes into some really neat details mm. um phenomenal blog um i signed up wow. for wow i'll definitely have to fantastic. check that out it, yeah because he's got a very interesting you know, politics of health and safety very interesting like uh not a dry humor but he sees the irony in life like he'll call out a company mm. like when he finds a headline where the the company says well we've had a fatality but safety's always been our top priority he's the first one to point out mm. like if it had been that wouldn't have happened and um, one of his latest blog was like trying to survive the workday, literally. And it's like, wow. Mm. I mean, he calls it as he sees wow. it and yeah. it's very powerful. And yeah. it's also very interesting because wow. he writes a lot of great detail. So I just love it. The other one, awesome. and this is not promoted by no means. I've tried various apps being a psychologist and, and being uh, just me, who I am. I love the Calm app. Um, I love the sounds. Mm. I love the meditations. Uh, I love the morning. Like there's some movement things, but really I just love the, the, like a two minute meditation sometimes. It's what it takes wow. to reset me. And so I just love mm -hmm. it. Um, it's one of my, I've had yeah. it for years and years and absolutely love it. Wow. I've seen it advertised and I always think like, I should download that. It's, I love it. <laughs> so maybe I finally I'll will. I'll be on an airplane and I'll put on my headphones and I'll turn on like a rainstorm sound it just Ugh. okay drowns everything out of mm -hmm. where i'm on the airplane or middle of the day you Amazing. do a, a nice three minute meditation to just find your center again i love that it, it helps wow. yeah i actually work to the rain sound like i'll put thunderstorms just on youtube yes and like that's the only thing i could work or study to because if i listen to actual music i, I find myself listening to the oh, words yeah and like interpreting them and then not being fully in my work. But when I listen to thunderstorms, it's really calming. And yeah, I don't get distracted by that at it. all. So I might have to check out Calm and utilize that. I, I've enjoyed it for awesome. years. Awesome, thank you. Thank you. Um, okay, three. What is one of your favorite quotes? And yeah, why? so my favorite quote comes from the book, The Little Prince, and it's Antoine de Saint-Exupéry, uh, French writer. 
And the quote is, it is only with the heart that one can see rightly. What is essential is invisible to the eye. I love mm. that one because that's what we do. Love it. We're motivating the hearts of people. And to do that, we're protecting their body. But if they don't believe in what we're doing, and this is everything, whatever you're doing in life, if yeah. you don't believe in it, and if the people around you don't believe in it, it's not going to work. And so I, I think that's the most fantastic because we're always dealing with the invisible. When someone comes to work, mm. they're not like a machine that just does what it's told to. They're coming in with maybe they've had a fantastic morning. Maybe they've had a terrible morning. Maybe they're bringing in whatever yeah. baggage they're bringing in from life, good or bad, and the knowledge, good or bad, yeah. from the rest of their life. We can't see that. We don't know that. Yep. And yet we have mm -hmm. to manage it within the confines of our workplace mm -hmm. to protect them. And we yeah. have to, I always have to constantly remind myself that when I bang my forehead and go, why would someone do something that silly at work? Well, we until we know, we don't know what that person came into that day. For sure. For sure. I love that. That's a really great uh, quote for an HR professional, too. <laughs> I, I, used to have a, I used to have a poster of it in one of my offices. I loved it. I printed it myself, and I, oh, yeah. I stuck it up there to remind myself that, look, this yep. is – it may be frustrating right now, yeah. but it's probably even more frustrating mm -hmm. for the people that, that you're, you're working with because they're having trouble, too. Yep. You're not alone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I rem I have to remind myself that daily with a two and a half year old, you know, when he blows up just that, okay, he is experiencing a lot of emotion. Maybe to me, you know, it doesn't make sense. I told him, no, you can't play with that knife. <laughs> and now he's screaming and kicking and trying to hit mommy. And I'm like, this doesn't make sense. <laughs> but to him, I'm taking away his independence. I'm taking away his control. Oh, yeah. I am you know, prohibiting him. So like you have to breathe and say it's way more than what I'm just seeing. And he's feeling all these big things that I don't understand and I don't see and feel right now. So you have to find that patience, that center. And, you know, toddlers make you grow into a better person and professional. Oh, yeah. They definitely <laughs> teach you a lot of lessons. They sure do. I mean, I feel like, yeah, he's taught me so much, so much. And actually has helped me in my career because of like, you know, trying to be a, the best mom I could be has actually changed my view as a safety professional too. And like having that same grace with, oh, yeah. you know, adults and everything. So great quotes, great things. And then lastly, for completely outside of your line of work or being a parent, what are three things that you really enjoy doing? For yeah, I, I enjoy playing golf. Very terrible at it, but I just okay. I just love the idea of just kind of it's like a walk with a purpose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I really enjoy I've always enjoyed doing that. And then uh, I love video games. I've been that I guess growing up in the nice. 80s, that is start off with your Nintendo. So I love my Xbox. Uh just nice. yeah it takes a lot to get me away from it and then finally i love photography um uh, actually won some juried oh. exhibits for some of the photographs i've taken um wow. I, I love it because it helps me kind of find i guess i'll call my zen moment because when you think about photography mm -hmm. you're thinking about a fraction of a second of light hitting a lens and you're capturing that one one thousandth of a second and that's a fixed moment in time and when you're thinking about it, you want to capture that it really helps me like 
because I can let my mind go about a thousand directions mm-hmm. at any moment, it makes me focus on yep. one thing. And it just you just keep focusing yeah. on that one thing in that wow. one moment in that one those few pieces of light that are coming through. And to me, that helps me kind of get back to being and I love nature photography. I love sitting outside and waiting for, nice. for deer to walk up or my cat to walk across mm-hmm. or birds that are going. Mm-hmm. And you just sit there patiently and you're outside and you're just trying wow. to capture a moment. And for me, that's yeah. really cleansing because <laughs> yeah. it, it gets rid that's of all everything like else. The, yeah, that's like the yin to the yang of yes. system thinking. This is like the opposite, the <laughs> really simple snapshot versus the really heavy, complex system. So yeah, it's like your balance. I love it. That's very cool. Very cool. Oh, awesome. Mark, I'm also a huge uh, video game fan, but old school Nintendo yeah. NES is like, it's one of my oh, escapes. Yeah. So that's funny it. too. Yeah, I love old school Mario. All my nephews, I'm like so excited to be introducing them to old school <laughs> yes. NES games, Tetris, Paperboy, uh, Mario, Zelda. <laughs> so yeah, very cool. Well, it's great to have this conversation. Great to learn more about you. I hope this was really helpful for our listeners to start thinking about, you know, systems. Um, and of course, not everyone who's listening to this might be a HR professional or safety professional. You might just be a worker. You might just be, you know, a person. However you want to identify um, systems and systems thinking could be applicable in a lot of different ways in your life. So maybe you just take this information and start thinking, what is something that you need to be sustainable in your life? It could even be your personal health and safety in terms of going to the gym, eating better food, um, incorporating socialization and how can you actually make a little bit of a system around that for yourself and you know a sustainable thing um so yeah hopefully this was helpful mark french thank you so much for coming oh, on it's been such an uh, honor. always a thank great you. conversation with you so yeah we'll definitely be in touch and who knows maybe we'll do some more uh talks down the line all right well thank you again and take care Thank you so much for joining us on this episode. All show notes and guest bios can be found on our website at myhealthandsafety.com. That's myhealthandsafety.com. We hope you enjoyed this episode and had at least one damn that's good moment. You know, a moment in the discussion that just lit up those neurons in the brain. It may not be a whole new concept, but better clarity, visual, example, or tool to more effectively understand, communicate, or use on a concept. If you didn't have a damn that's good moment during this episode, well, then just damn. (laughs) Share your moments in the comments or on social media with us. We want to know what brings you the most value so we can strive to deliver more. If you enjoyed our content, make sure to like, share, and subscribe to our channel.